Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. This podcast is done by two ladies who play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. Also, this podcast does cover topics of sensitive nature, and as such, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Wheel of Crime podcast. My name is Jen. Yes, and my name is Emily. We are no longer in our spooky season. No, we're not. We are are past (laughs) the spooky season. We're all spooked out. Yes, we are in our first week of November and uh so we're back to our regularly scheduled programming folks yes we're back to our regular programming wah wah but (laughs) i will say now at least the snow that we have is starting to make a little more sense for the time i will say that much it's still fucking rude that we got snow like basically like mid-october and it just never went away away. yep pretty much like every year but that is Ew. not, that's pretty normal for where we live. Um, on the other hand, how has your last week been, Jen? Um, well, I mean, last week was pretty spooky with Halloween. Oh, just but... the spookiest. I wish every week could be like last week. Right? Same. Um, it's been okay, though. I'm honestly tired. I feel like I've got a lot going on at work. And I mean, what's what's new? <laughs> What's new? Regular anxieties of adulting, I suppose. I can but, see that much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having some time off at Christmas. And um, yeah, that's basically, that's basically it. Fair enough. I am also just busy with work, busy with life stuff. Um, yep. Trying to get projects out of the way just i don't know keep trying to keep busy because like i i'm in the boat of where the more things i get done the more that i don't have to do exactly and christmas is here and that's kind of my goal at this point um i yeah. don't know what corona is going to do to the rest of our year but i guess we'll see what happens <laughs> I, I feel like uh the rest of the year is going to be pretty weird i know like even thanksgiving for us I didn't see, like, any extended family. It was just, like, me, my parents, my boyfriend, and my one brother. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like Christmas is going to be probably pretty small this year as well. I kind of don't mind that. Yeah, I'm okay with it because I feel like every year it's just always so stressful and, like, there's so much going on. And I, my work, usually I have, like, three weeks off at Christmas, but uh, I work in the film industry, for those of you who don't know, and we are Mm -hmm. shooting up until potentially December 23rd this year. Oh, fun. Which fucking sucks. And I'm Busy, busy. I don't know. Not, like, I like, or I'm glad I'm working. Um, It's just, like, not my fave thing, because (laughs) Jonathan and I really wanted to go to Banff and rent a cabin and sit in a hot tub and sit by our fireplace and just yeah enjoy enjoy yourselves by yourselves yeah but I don't know if we can really do that because of the stupid like elongated production schedule 
Yeah, well, a lot of different things, too. I don't know. It's such a weird time of year, too, to be trying to plan stuff also, which, like, Mm -hmm. again, is why I don't mind not having a super complicated Thanksgiving. That and seeing people that you only see once a year for, like, extended family also is not really my vibe. Like, I get it. But I don't love it. Um, It's always so awkward. I don't know. Maybe it's just me because... I feel like I'm kind of, you know, I'm working in an alternative career. Work atmosphere, yep. And I'm kind of an alternative gal compared to <laughs> my family. I'm kind of a hipster, not going to lie to you. Not a hipster. I'm just like very liberal and they're all very conservative. So it's mm-hmm. always an interesting time of year. That's fair. With mine... Everybody somehow in the last, like, well, because I work in the fitness uh, industry, but that's not something I grew up with. But somehow in the time that I've been working there, my whole, almost my whole family has kind of converted themselves into also working in the fitness atmosphere. <laughs> so it's it's been an interesting development, but that's my immediate family. So at least I have that part to talk about with them. But right. either way, it should be fun. I like to think anyways, but... Yeah. Since we are back to our regularly scheduled programming, this means that we do not announce every episode what our topic is for this week. Yes, but, you're just uh, rolling with the punches, talking about whatever the fuck you feel like again. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Just like me. So I'm going to start with spinning the wheel of questions, and then afterwards I'm going to see if you can guess what my episode topic is this week. Are you ready? Oh, God. I'm always so bad at this because yours is never like anything. What you expect? Can- I can never actually guess what you're talking about, okay? Like You're, you're always like, close. I feel like you, I have a harder time with yours because I don't really know people's names. Like, I might have an idea of whatever crime you talk about, but then mm-hmm. it's always it's always like, oh, but I never really know, like, what it is. Yeah. Yours is, like, always just very obscure, and I'm like... <laughs> it's like Bigfoot, men, are, men are attracted to Bigfoot. <laughs> The Bigfoot erotica titles still kill me. Like, but what, before our episode today, I was looking through my notes for, like, what I was reading today. But because it's in my history from our last episode, I also looked at, like, my notes from then. And it just, it doesn't stop being funny. It oh does not God. stop being funny. I, I think I named the title of that one, like, Bigfoot is Sexy. All men think Bigfoot is sexy, and I was just like, "What else am I supposed to fucking call this episode?" Like, honestly, <laughs> I have no idea. that was that was the best you could have done. I will not lie to you. <laughs> Me uh, struggling um, at nine a.m. Oh yeah, totally. On that note, I will spin for our first wheel of question. Ooh, okay. Have you been or would you ever go to Iceland? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Iceland is a place that I really would love to go. Mm. My boyfriend and I have talked many of the times about going there for like a month and just like uh, going around the whole country and just exploring. Renting a vehicle or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it'd be so much fucking fun. See, I'd love to do that in Iceland or... um, I would also really like to try something like that in Ireland, potentially, maybe not for a month, but or Scotland, just because those are very historical places. And they're also very mm-hmm. culturally diverse. So those, I think that yeah. part would be really interesting. There'd be a lot to do in like Ireland and Scotland for sure as well. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, and I'd like to that Iceland cool is very like, 
Yes. And I don't know if I've told you this, but my fiance's sister, uh, she eloped in Iceland. Oh. So they, yes. So they had a lot of interesting, like, pictures and experiences. Like, uh, they have a lot of themed Nordic spas there, which is really cool. Black sand beaches, like lots of wildflowers and that kind of stuff. That's so I would mind. really like to go just because from talking to her, like, it sounds like an amazing experience. Looks beautiful. So much fun stuff to do. I don't know. I just feel like it'd be a fun, like, really chill trip, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's time for our next question. <laughs> so do so how do you feel when people blame things on not like the supernatural but like you know how there's cultures who will like if they believe in fairies they'll be like oh it's like my ketchup is missing it must be the fairies or like you know like uh if a sock goes missing in the dryer they're like oh it's obviously because it was stolen by like a a gnome or something Yes, like that kind of stuff. What do you think about when people blame stuff on that? Like about the either tradition of including that kind of stuff in your life or like like that whole idea, I guess. Uh, um, uh, uh, I feel like it's the only thing I can really equate it to since uh, being from Canada, born and raised, we don't really have like, something like Mm -hmm. that really like we don't really have culture in the same way that a lot of other countries do we're kind of it's more from like uh, families who've had people immigrate over that i've really noticed that like people will talk like that i'm only asking it's kind of a food for thought question say with my family on my mom's side of the family they really like blame in the dryer gnome thing for example like if things go missing then like an elf or like something like that is to blame right so i was curious as to what your thoughts were, because it's a food for thought question. You can say anything you like. It's just what are your thoughts and how does it relate in your own experiences with that kind of stuff? See, where I was going with that is the only thing in, like, Canadian culture that I can really equate that to is the uh, house hippo. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of similar, but, like, oh, yeah, I guess the house hippo does steal stuff. Okay, so then do you and your family have a house hippo situation? Um, for all of our American viewers, we obviously all have house hippos. Yes. It's a thing, you know, sometimes they pass away and then your family's just fucked for generations until you can find a new house hippo. But It's true. You know, my family They're didn't hard have to a house by. hippo growing up. So The house hippos move into your house. So that You don't pick the house hippo. The house hippo picks you. Exactly. I didn't have a house hippo growing up. Uh, it was very sad. I was bullied a lot for it um really tragic, you know so super tragic i just really want to tell my story i see well this is a good way to tell your stories <laughs> through a podcast i'm just kidding um we, of course we have the house hippo but <laughs> i don't know obviously I don't, yeah. really, I don't really believe in a lot of I'm a of very course, pragmatic yeah. well, does, your, gal. does your family have any of those types of stories, though? Is Like like I said, I didn't gear this question towards anything. It's, uh, like I said, a, uh, a couple times a food for thought question. But out of curiosity, does your family have anything like that? Not really. I mean, I've heard, like, the, like, oh, the, el- the elves steal the shit out of the dryer or whatever. But, like, yeah. my parents are very much, like, pragmatic in the same way that I am, which I guess makes sense because they raised me. But... You know, 
Mm. <laughs> I feel like the extent of it was Tooth Fairy, Santa, and Easter Bunny, and then that was it. That was That's as fair. far as they went with things. Mm-hmm. Well, like, uh, like say with my family, I already said that my mom's family, all re- like, they believe in that kind of stuff. And uh, my dad's family doesn't, though, so it's really interesting to see kind of how, like, it, the melting pot factor of you've got half of the family that believes in that kind of stuff and then the other mm-hmm. half of the family that doesn't. So then it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. Oh, for but sure. on that note, should we spin for our next question? Let's spin again, my guy. Okay. Um. So I guess this actually kind of relates to my previous question, but what's your thoughts on superstitious beliefs? Like, culturally speaking, like where that stuff comes from and why people would have taken to blaming, like, uh, say, I, we keep using the sock in the dryer thing, but like, say like when something goes missing and you can't find it, like, why do you think that people got around in some cultures to blaming things like quote unquote mythical magical creatures? I feel like, cause it's probably easier to shift blame onto something fictional than to take personal responsibility. That's fair. That's kind of where I was heading to, but <laughs> it's interesting to hear what people's thoughts are because uh, sometimes people's answers won't be necessarily like how you and I think. It'll be something more like, oh, well, maybe somebody saw something that they couldn't really explain and that's kind of how they justified it. it was like, oh, I saw this weird creature with long ears that might have been a mouse that I didn't recognize as a mouse in my house, but I'm going to call it an elf now or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... I get it. I I do understand. It's just personally mm-hmm. not for me. So I'm okay. going to leave it at that. Fair enough. Next question. Or I guess last question. Okay. So this, again, ties into most of my questions because, I'm go- like I said, I'm going to have you guess what I'm going to be talking about afterwards. But my question and my last question for you is... What's your thoughts on any kind of folktale that encompasses anything to do with small, quote-unquote, mischievous creatures? Like, this kind of, again, relates to what I was asking before, but, like, it's more about where those stories would have come from. Um, Or is it the same thing of, like, not wanting to take blame, you know? I mean, it could be that. It could also just come from, you know, stories being passed down through generations and details get changed and then you know Mm -hmm. it becomes something that it wasn't and over time it transforms into like you know the Mm -hmm. the sock stealing dryer elves you know i mean or your world war ii fighter jet gremlins (laughs) my favorite ones i i miss that story i need to i need to relook that relook that up again that was a great one Oh my god, I was remember listening to that being like, what the fuck are we even talking about right now? Yeah. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Hello? Well, my whole thing is that I I just remember when I was doing my story, I was so um, enthralled by how people were dealing with kind of like war-related traumas in like, not like developing stories, but they were so convinced that they would see these things And it became, like, a genuine concern for people who were in, like, positions of power in the military to be, like, you know, like, beware of the gremlins. You got to do this. Like, make sure you're protecting yourself. Like, that kind of stuff. It's still so interesting to me. It's insane. But I understand, especially in, like, a war setting, because I feel like there's a lot happening Mm -hmm. that could be, like, you know, 
a reason oh, completely, to, to yeah. deflect blame or to latch onto something because of stress or to find or an trauma. answer yeah especially yeah. if like you're in a situation where there isn't really an answer for something like say you were never shot out or you were never shot at or somebody you were flying never was but their plane went down anyways like that kind of stuff exactly yeah, yeah. all right so can you guess what my topic is for this week I mean, it's probably some sort of Nordic or Icelandic elf or gnome or mystical small creature that terrorizes people and doesn't actually commit a crime, but somehow Satan is involved, so that's the crime. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you're pretty close. You literally described kind of what I'm going to be talking about. There's a little more detail, but... uh... Basically. Okay, so then, um, thanks for listening, guys. You can listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, but okay. So what my story is, though, just so like I can kind of encompass what you were talking about, is uh, there are very strict beliefs in Iceland still to this day that of people who it's not really a belief in elves, but it's more of like a cultural acceptance of their existence, which is really interesting. Right. So there's a couple stories I'm going to be sharing with you regarding the, uh, they call them the fairies of Iceland, basically, and kind of what it means to the people in Iceland, and then kind of some crimes involving them. Interesting, interesting. Yes. So on that note, I'm going to jump into my description. Uh, I do not know how to speak um, Icelandic. Uh, um, uh, That is my disclaimer. I'm sorry. Um, who, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, yes, perfect. Very, very, uh, very polite. <laughs> Back at this old game again. <laughs> yes. So the Holdu folk or hidden people are elves in Icelandic and Ferozi folklore. So they are supernatural beings that live in nature and they look and behave similarly to humans, but they live in a parallel world. And they can make themselves visible at will. So basically kind of what makes them different from like uh, the European retellings of like fairies and elves and that kind of things is that um, they don't actually live on on our same plane of of existence. They have their own place that they exist in, but it's kind of like they're able to cross over at any time and they can kind of simultaneously exist both in our world and in theirs at the same time which is why they're not always visible and that's why people can blame them. Well, not like blame them, but like can find justifications for things that they can't explain and justify it through these elves. Right. Yes. Now, with my story, like I was saying before, do keep in mind that even to this day, people in Iceland or a, a very large community of people in Iceland do really strongly believe that there are elves that they live with and they actually accommodate their lifestyles to accommodate for these elves that they share their land with and this sort of thing. Okay? Right. Okay. In Ferozi folktales, hidden people are said to be large in build, their clothes all gray and their hair black. Their dwellings are in mounds, so smaller hills, and they are also called elves. So basically... For the most part, they refer to these elves, as we call them, more or less as the hidden people, as, like, their respectful term. But okay. how they look is they're stocky or large in build. Um, they're all gray and their hair is black. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. So yes. So some Icelandic folktales caution against throwing stones, as you may accidentally hit somebody who's a hidden person. Oh, I see. Yes. So, so kind of uh, like in kindness is to it natives. like kind of Frozen esque, where they're like rock. Not really. Like they themselves aren't rock people. It's more like. A, you can assume that they're always around. It's just that you can't see them. And if you... And they're, like, um, not good or bad. But if you were to accidentally offend them, then you can expect something bad to happen to you. So there's a lot of cautionary Ooh, tales nice. regarding, like, kind of, like, mm. being careful. Don't throw rocks and, like, that kind of stuff because you don't know what you're going to hit. Like, will you hit a hidden person? And will they cause something terrible to happen in your life? Like, mm, who knows, you know? Spooky. Yes. So the term hold folk, I don't know if that's how you say it, was taken as a synonym of alfar or elves in the 19th century Icelandic folklore. John Arneson found that the terms are synonymous, except alfar is more of a pejorative term. So Conrad von Mayer contends that the hold folk originates as a euphemism to, to call the alfar by their real name. So, kind of, they came up with the term hidden folk, kind of not even, well, it was, like, as a polite uh, form, like how I was saying before, but also to kind of avoid calling them elves, which is interesting, because it's kind of hinting at maybe, like, the elves find that an offensive term to use. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, um, however, there is some evidence that the two terms have come to be taken separately like not as like a derivative of like each other but rather that they are two different distinct sets of supernatural beings that both live in iceland oh that's an interesting thought a hot take i know so uh katrin sontag found that some people don't differentiate elves from the hidden people while others do so it's kind of like a mixed culture belief where not everybody believes in them but for the people who do it's kind of like how they learn from their own per- personal family histories is either that they are the same or that they're not. So that's why for the people who do believe in them who live in Iceland, they kind of treat it as like um, they might be different. So you kind of just have to be respectful either way because you don't know if you're dealing with a hidden folk or if you're dealing with an elf. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. So um, in a 2006... Be respectful. Yeah, either I know it's like it's weird too. So for my story, it's like a big lesson in respect. <laughs> like just for it's like you don't understand the hidden folk, you don't understand the elves. Just respect them, respect their space, respect their privacy. R e s p c t. Tell me what it means to the hidden people. R e s p c t. Take care of the elves in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really the hit. Honestly, yes, it is. It's the new Icelandic hit. So. Yes, so in 2006, survey found that 54 of respondents did not distinguish between the elves and the hidden people, whereas 20% did, and 26% said that they weren't sure, or weren't sure of believing in them. So that's 26% of people in Iceland who are not sure that elves exist. Hmm, interesting. And 20, like... Some percent that are like, hell yeah, they exist, motherfucker. No, it's 20% that say, uh... Probably, and then 54 said that they couldn't distinguish between the two. Oh, wow. Right? That's actually, like, a lot. 
Oh, yeah. Well, that's, again, why I found this so interesting. So I was like, okay, I see you. I see you in your very weird stats. So. (laughs) Not the weirdest stats we've ever discussed on this show. I can say for a fact they're not the weirdest stats we've discussed on this show. (laughs) Factual. And that's a fact. So. (laughs) So. Several scholars have commented on the connections between the hidden people and the Icelandic natural environment. So B.S. Benedicts, Benedicts, I think that's it, uh, in his discussion with John Arneson's grouping folk tales about elves, water dwellers, and trolls all together, writes, the reason is, of course, perfectly clear. When one's life is conditioned by a landscape dominated by rocks, twisted by volcanic action wind and water into ferocious and alarming shapes the imagination fastens onto these natural phenomena which is also fair so basically to kind of uh give um a layman's terms of what that means basically what he was saying is that it would be very easy to kind of connect uh icelandic people's beliefs and maybe why they still very strongly believe in uh like these types of elves and hidden folk and trolls and like all these other different things that are very, very, very like culturally, mythologically, traditionally based uh, uh, folklore into mm-hmm. the fact that they are an isolated island. And just with being also a vol- an island that has volcanic action and a lot of other like really strong natural elements that it would be very possible that it's just that it's easier to kind of like say oh it's because of this rather than to look any further than that because if you don't know anything past that then it would be easier to make that connection you know right that makes sense i feel like that's kind of what we were talking about before where yep sometimes it's just easier to make a a fun mystical assumption rather than a more pregnant pragmatic yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to ask that question. I was interested to hear what your answer would be. I knew what, it was, like, I had a feeling on what it was going to be, but it's just interesting how, with what we know, we can take that approach, but not necess- necessarily everybody's going to view that as being the pragmatic approach, you know? For sure. I feel like it also depends on your life experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, if you've grown up with a lot of, like, older people who you know, talk a lot about, you know, trolls and elves who all live there, like, you would assume, oh, yeah, no, like, that's our life. Like, obviously, if this happens, that means that it was from a hidden folk or from a, an elf, you know? Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, so, lots of cultures have that. Yes, a very fun little cultural cultural difference blurp. So, um... Olina Thornvardberg-Dottier... <laughs> Jesus. That's rough. I don't think that's how you say it. What are you trying to say here, Emily? (laughs) There are some letters in there that I know are not English letters, and I don't even know how to pronounce them. Um, Fair. Olina writes, Oral tales concerning Icelandic elves and trolls no doubt served as warning fables. They prevented many children from wandering away from human habitations, taught Iceland's topographical history, and instilled fear and respect for the harsh powers of nature. So kind of what he, the the fellow we were talking about said before, where it would be easy to kind of pin a lot of these natural phenomena that they would have to deal with isolated to what Iceland has to deal with on these creatures. Mm-hmm. So especially to children. So Michael Strumska writes... The Hur folk are not so much supernatural as 
ultra-natural, representing not an overcoming of nature in the hope of a better deal beyond, uh, but a deep reverence for the land and the mysterious powers able to cause fertility or famine. So, to layman's terms, that sentence again. Basically, uh, what he was saying was that you it would be... Again, very much like what Olina was saying, what the fellow before was saying, where you can kind of say it has more to do with the nature on why people believe in that stuff. But then he was also right. saying it would be way easier to kind of like um, explain it to people, though, like if they were had like a poor year for like farming, anything agricultural and stuff like that, because it's a land related situation. But then you can also say, oh, it was because we didn't uh, do this for the hold folk. Right. Rather oh, than fi- okay. Rather than realizing, like, maybe the more scientific explanation behind that, but for somebody who can't justify why their crops didn't do well, then that would also be a better way to explain it away. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Powell's daughter claims that in a landscape filled with earthquakes, avalanches, and volcanoes, it's no wonder that the native people have assigned some secret life to the landscape. There has to be some unseen powers behind such unpredictability and such cruelty. Alan Butcher writes, thus the Icelanders' ambivalent attitude towards nature, the enemy and the provider, is clearly expressed in these stories, which preserve a good deal of uh, popular and in some cases pre-Christian beliefs. So Robert Anderson writes that syncretism is active in Iceland where Christianity, spiritualism, and Icelandic elf lore have all synchronized in at least a couple of incidences. So then he's tying it to people coming over, talking about Christianity, and then people making their own connections from what they grew up believing versus Christianity and that sort of thing. Right. So it's kind of how when Christianity was becoming more popular. Yes. So it's kind of like how, like, say even in Europe, this happened a lot, too, with, like, uh, mythological or, like, not, like, creatures, but a lot of traditional stuff that would talk about folktales or, like, folklore and this kind of stuff would oftentimes get intermingled with the religion that was coming through the area that would gain popularity for the time. Makes sense. Stories getting mixed up with other stories, you know? Yeah, and turning almost into something new. But um, Terry Gunnell notes that the hidden people legends recorded in the 18th and 19th centuries show them to be near mirror images to those or of those humans who told stories about them, except they were beautiful, powerful, alluring, and free from care, while the Icelanders were often starving and struggling for existence. The whole folks seem in many ways to present the Icelanders' dreams of a more perfect and happy existence. So, anthropologist John Hacker Ingidmerson claimed that the hidden people tales told by 19th century Icelandic women were a f- reflection of only 47% of women that were married, and sisters often found themselves re- relegated to very different functions and levels of status than today- in today's society. The vast majority of Icelandic girls were shunted into supporting roles in the household. So he goes to say that these stories justify the differences in roles and statuses between sisters and inculcated the young girls in stoic adage, never to despair, which was psychological preparedness that many would need if, when they found themselves reduced in status and denied the proper outlet for sexuality in marriage. So thereby sometimes having to rely on infanticide to take care of the unsolicited and insupportable effects of their occasional amours in the element. So basically what that all means is that life would have been very, very hard among women growing up then because Mm -hmm. there were a lot of traditions, say, at the time that didn't necessarily support um, women 
like in their different roles and there was a lot of different family roles regarding like say older sisters middle singers younger sisters if you had more than one sister so again having belief in these fairies or elves or hidden folk whatever whatever term that you decide to use well we'll say in my storytelling in this case that they are synonymous that people could justify and be like well i'm in this position because of this story of the elves when this happened, right? Hmm. So using it to kind of leverage their own like yes, to status? leverage their leverage their own status. But then towards the end, what he was saying there is that, say for example, um, by being in a marriage and gaining status that way, but like say not necessarily wanting to be married, or maybe they were attracted to women, or whatever the cases was for these girls. They could justify like a miscarriage or not or uh, having a baby and then it dying also to the hidden folk because they wouldn't want the kids. And this was kind of like a way to be like, oh, well, the hidden folk took my baby. Yeah, kind of like that. Right. So let's see. I mean, when you think about it like that, it's kind of sad. Oh, it's super sad. But that's the whole thing, too, is that basically... Uh, what I've been saying in my story so far is that when people look at the history and they look at why it is that, you know, these types of oral traditions have passed down for so long, everything links back to that it's a really hard existence to be living out there just with like the climate. Um, it is very isolated because it's an island, but that part's a given and kind of that sort of thing. So there's a lot of additional challenges added onto that. And that's probably why with the additional stresses sure. of living there that some of those traditions would have continued to pass down past when most people stopped believing in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anna Pierkrowitz contends that the hidden people symbolize idealized Icelandic identity and society, the key elements of which are seeing the past as a source of pride and nature as unique and pure. So hidden people often appear in dreams of Icelanders. They are usually described as wearing 19th century Icelandic clothing and they are often described as also wearing green. In one version of modern Ferozi folklore and hidden people, uh, the hidden people vanished into the, in the 1950s when electricity was brought to the island. Hmm, spooky. Well, that part's interesting to me because it kind of makes me wonder why people would link the introduction of electricity to the disappearance of uh, the hidden folk, you know? Maybe it's not so much like the actual like electricity that's the link it's more like the modern age you know yeah that's kind of what i thought too but on the other hand it kind of makes you wonder if like um these people who because there were there would be people who would be able to claim being able to talk with the elves or the hidden people and to speak with them if maybe there's also something else going on where they're like, oh, yeah, no, if we do this, then they're going to abandon us, you know, or, you know, something, something along those lines. Yeah, I I do not know, but it's definitely interesting to look at it in that way. Yes. So, like I was uh, talking about earlier, so that's kind of the history of the Icelandic hidden people. I'm going to be getting okay. into their crimes in a little bit here, but I just wanted to so see... So there's actual crimes? I told you there would be crimes. But no, um, but I wanted to see, though, what your thoughts were on, um, not like the hidden people, because we kind of already went through that in our question round, but rather just about how 
culturally, like what I explained to you and how they are today and kind of what your thoughts are on having these oral oral traditions still be a significant part of their culture. And if you think there's any other cultures that kind of have something similar to that. I mean, I'm not an expert on culture, but I definitely think that there are other cultures who still have stuff like that. Like, um, you look at indigenous communities and like a lot of their culture is passed through storytelling or Mm -hmm. like put into stories. Like that's how they, you know, communicate their culture and continue it on through generations. And I think there's something really special about that. And, you know, it does make me wish that like, you know, we had something kind of like that because Mm -hmm. it's so cool to hear people tell their stories and they add their life experiences and the wisdom that they've learned along the way Mm -hmm. in with these like more or sometimes more fantastical things, you know? I can see that. I also agree with you. I actually really love the oral tradition of storytelling, which is also why I really liked the idea of having this story be one of our podcast episodes, is that it's not really something we commonly deal with nowadays. Like, you can talk to somebody and they can tell you a story, but to have the oral tradition of storytelling where somebody shares a story with you that was literally passed down through generations of like family belief or cultural belief. Like I don't have a lot of experiences with that. And I would love if I had a chance to be able to talk with somebody who is a part of a tradition or culture where they do practice that still. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely interesting to talk, to be able to talk to people who, you know, still tell stories as kind of like a traditional way of passing down knowledge to the next Mm -hmm. generation because I just feel like there's so much care and thought that goes into that. Oh, totally, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. When I was in university, we the I was working for this, like, student-slash-community radio station. And they were doing this, like, series where it was, like, the art of storytelling. And they were just, like, interviewing different people in the community who were like wanted to tell their stories essentially. And Mm -hmm. one of the people that I interviewed for the series was this, um, indigenous woman who had like lived in the community for her like entire life. And like, she was like the most epic woman ever. Like she did so many cool things Mm -hmm. in her life and like did so much innovation for the community. But like, just like the way she told stories was so fascinating Mm -hmm. and so like carefully thought out but like genuine I don't know I can't I don't know how to describe it it was just like unreal you know I can see that but that's what I mean I would love to have that experience of being able to talk with somebody who it's not even just like with their family but where they have that ability or they have been taught to do their their oral storytelling for whatever their history is you know yeah, it's so cool, and yeah, I don't know, storytelling is just one of those things that I feel like is getting a little lost in in our generation, or in, in well, a the lot previous of generations people have maybe. moved to written, uh, written storytelling, which is still good, but it's a little, it's definitely different. I feel like the, the practice of oral storytelling is definitely something that's starting to kind of get lost to the ages, which again... 
is why I was interested in talking about this because I didn't realize that Iceland was one of those communities that still practices it. It's like, um, like you were saying, First Nations uh, groups all also do practice this, but I'm not super aware of anywhere else that does this. I feel like a lot of like Nordic countries have like strong, strong traditions still, like Sweden and Denmark and whatever the other Nordic countries are. <laughs> I think uh, uh, Norway, maybe. Um... Yeah, Norway. I'm trying to was trying to remember if Finland was a Nordic country or not. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. I don't want to sound stupid. But I'm not sure either. Is. All right. On to the last segment of my story, which is the crimes that you've been waiting so desperately for. The crimes. The crims. <laughs> I... I feel like every time you tell a story, I'm like, but where's the crime? We are Wait. on the Wheel of Crime podcast, well, Emily. Well, there's a wheel and then there's crime. <laughs> I'm I'm the wheel sometimes. <laughs> you're the wheel. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> you Actually, never know what you're going to get. <laughs> thinking about it, I am pretty much the wheel and you are definitely the crime for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay it's with true. that. It's called the variety, the spice of life. The spice of life. The spice of life. <laughs> All right. So here's for our crimes. During road construction in Copavoger in 1971, a, bro- a bulldozer broke down. The driver placed the blame on elves living in a large rock. Despite locals not having been aware of any elves living in the rock, newspapers ran with the story, thus starting the myth that Icelandic road construction was often impeded by elves. In 1982, 150 Icelanders went to NATO or went to the NATO base in Keflavik to look for elves who might be endangered by American phantom jets and AWACS reconnaissance planes. In 2004, Alcoa had to have a government expert certify that their chosen building site was free of any archaeological sites, including ones related to the Holdufolk folklore, before they could build an aluminum smelter in Iceland. In 2011, elves slash Holdfolk were believed by some to be responsible for an incident in Bolungavik, where rocks rained down on some residential streets. And then in 2013, proposed road construction from Alftans Peninsula to the Reykjavik, Reykjavik, I cannot say that word. Reykjavik? Yes. Suburb in Garobeir, Garobeir, sure, was stopped because all elf supporters and environmental groups protested stating that the road would destroy the habitat of elves and local cultural beliefs. Interesting. Yes. So that is more or less the end of my story. But... Wait, so what was the crime? The crime was the guy blaming the elves living in the rock and starting a whole (laughs) myth about elves inhibiting road construction. So, mythical fraud? Yeah, mythical fraud. (laughs) It's a crime. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say though, 
that was the <laughs> devil the publisher <laughs> <laughs> i just i just winged my headphones off into the next century yes i am gonna say that the devil was probably the publisher if not the <laughs> the editor as well but um no i was gonna say though that i do find it really interesting that they have lots of recent examples too of like elves creating modern problems i have nothing to say to that <laughs> Trying to wrap my head around mythical fraud. It's a crime. It's still fraud. Okay. Sure. Anyways, but what did you think of my story today in its in its encompassing? Remember when you used to do a fun fact before these episodes? Well, like I do a description back. now instead of a fun fact. No, no, no. Like when we first started, I feel like you... Or was it me who did the fun fact? You do a joke, I think. I think. And I think yeah, I, I used to do a fun fact, yeah. Okay, well, I, as you were telling your story, I had, like, a flash to a fun fact about Iceland that I want to share with you. Oh, I like fun facts. Okay, let's hear it. So, I think it was, like, three or four years ago now. It's been in, like, the last five years. Mm-hmm. The president, or maybe it's a prime minister... I think it's the Prime Minister of Iceland. He had to publicly apologize because he joked about making a law to ban pineapple on pizza. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's really funny, but also I would have rioted if somebody tried to ban (laughs) pineapple on pizza. (laughs) I would have been like, yes, snaps that, to you. That is the only pizza I like to eat is Hawaiian pizza. Ew. I Nasty. love pineapples, but no, what you do is you get a you get a Hawaiian pizza and then you add banana peppers, so it's got a little bit of spice to that. No, disgusting. No, it's delicious. <sighs> but yes. I will say, though, your fun fact is definitely a good way to end today's episode. Now, where can people listen to us again? Uh, Wherever you're currently listening to us is probably a good place to start. A good place to start, Um, for sure. Also, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa. Pretty much all the fucking places, my guy. Buzzsprout? Oh, yeah. Everywhere everywhere and everywhere you want to. Um, You can also email us if you have a story about the Hula Folk or if you are from Iceland and you want to get mad at me for something, you can email us wheelofcrime (laughs) at gmail.com. If you want to be like, this was so insensitive to my culture, you mispronounced every word, even Reykjavik, which is the most popular place in Iceland. Yeah. I literally read it too, and I was like, that looks familiar, and then I fucked it up anyways. Like, I, I'm out of control. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yes. control. So yes, if you're mad at me, uh, you can email me, wheelofcrime at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow our podcast if you think we're cool and stuff. Uh, Wheel of Crime for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We also have TikTok. TikTok. And, um, we do also have a Patreon. If you want to check that out, it's Wheel of Crime on Patreon. We have different rewards for the different tiers, depending on, uh, what, what tickles your fancy. Um, what floats your boat? 
Yes, and please, uh, as we request every week, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, Apple, or Apple Podcasts. Not iTunes. Fuck off. Fuck off iTunes. We're talking about Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review on Apple (laughs) Podcasts. Fuck off. Um, It really does help us with kind of elevating ourselves, kind of getting out there a little bit more noticed. We'd love to be able to reach out to more listeners. And... um, Otherwise, I and think we'd love to be able to keep bringing this podcast to you. Folks. Yes, that would be amazing to be able to work more in depth on the podcast, bring more content to you. And with that, we just need more attention. Honestly, we just need to know that you guys are listening to us and and are helping Hello? us get to that next level. <laughs> Anyone there? Hello. Hello? <laughs> yes. But uh, as this is the end of our episode, um, and I think that's all we had for plugins, uh, I, I suppose this is goodbye until next week. Tis goodbye until next week. So I bid you a fair morrow, my my fellow dudes and hoda folk. If you are listening to us, hoda folk, I, I love you. Um, leave us a review on I on uh, <laughs> Apple Podcast. Bring um, only good vibes. <laughs> Yes, and Jenny will be telling us an enthralling tale of some kind next week. So tune in, guys. Oh, I bet you can't wait. Yes, well, I certainly can't wait. But until then, <laughs> farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye.